Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis from Include Software, Neil Glatt with Row the Bench, and Luke Melangrano from Mariani Landscape, as well as Brett Lemke from RM Landscape. The whole OG crew. What's going on? Hello, everyone. I think uh, I think Miles practiced since last session of doing that opening. He nailed this one today. Guys. He <laughs> totally. Really, Good. Yeah. Didn't, didn't want to bumble. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh. this is the day that I don't bumble through. It's, it's, it's right. like the perfect up. weather where I am. So I don't know if you're feeling the same thing in DC miles or I, if it's just stress uh, from getting through or stress relief from getting through R and R, but you're on. Yeah. Point. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're done with it. Um, actually, you know, R and R was awesome by the way. Like the event was cool. We put down like, um, I mean, we did a lot of things, but the, and the national park service volunteer project that we did as part of that, we were able to get 320 yards of wood chips, like raw wood chips down um within like five to six hours wow so we had some really cool sponsorships like people donated some good tools um uh to get it done and uh the volunteers are great i actually felt energized the next day going into work after doing it um not exhausted which was really cool so um it was a little bit exhausting going into it to be honest you know with like all the planning that goes up front but my role day of was more like being unsticking people or just kind of being around and helping out versus doing the actual work, but had a lot of really, really good feedback and super positive. I recommend volunteer people taking a day off to do a day of service or volunteer because where are you located? Um, I'm in Washington, DC. Yeah. So, um, so the whole project happened on, um, on the mall, uh, the national mall in Arlington national cemetery, but I was part of the, the national mall project. So cool. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, so it's good to, good to be here. Um, I'll share more as needed, Rose and Thorne, but let's uh, let's hear more about our guest. Who's doing the intro for this? Yeah, I got it this week. So our guest is Steve Mulvani, who is the president and founder of Management Tools, Inc., which works on a long-term basis with companies throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia, implementing strategies to improve management and service quality practices, impacting company performance and customers' perceptions. Steve also facilitates long-range strategic and operational planning sessions for medium and large companies. He's worked with companies ranging from major banks and conglomerates to Carl Sewells, the author of Customers for Life, Automobile Dealerships, to distribution companies, major ski resorts and hotel companies, also healthcare, coal mines, and even Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. Steve is one of the highest rated speakers on the topics of quality service, productivity, and strategic planning. He's spoken worldwide to the Young President's Organization, the Department of Defense, numerous trade organizations, and many corporations. YPO, which has the world's most prestigious speakers present to their audiences, reports that the audio sales from Steve's sessions are in the top three speakers of more than 200 of their highest rated speakers. Steve has also served on eight corporate boards in the real estate, retail, and insurance service industries. Steve graduated in three years with high honors from the University of California at Davis. His graduate work concentrated in business administration and education at both UC Davis and California State University in Sacramento. Steve resides in Coronado, California. Anything I missed there, Steve? Well... My father would have been proud. My mother would have believed it. So that's good. I appreciate it. <laughs> one, one thing you might want to add, though, is um, I work uh, with Southern Botanical in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I've uh, known and worked with them over the last five years. Just a fantastic company. They do a lot of things right. So probably I should have mentioned that to you. Yeah, a, a great company. Often recognized, I think, in the award ceremony for the projects and some just beautiful landscapes. They're a quality uh, company. Mm-hmm. Well, good. So you've learned our industry as much as any. Other. It'd be interesting. What's the perspective of this industry compared to the other ones that you've worked in? Well, your industry is uh, probably more entrepreneurial, at least what I hear of it all the time, where some of the corporations I work with are more corporate or public companies. Um, 
I, I love the uh, teammates orientation, at least Southern Botanical has. It's a very diverse team and, uh, you know, just really real people versus nothing uh, artificial about them. So I, I think that's the other part of it. They're just excellent people on the field. Yeah, you hear a lot, a lot of feedback like that about um, our industry when we talk to the staff of NLP who are not from industry and uh, like with renewal and remembrance. So this event that we did, you know, we had a couple hundred volunteers come in every year and this is the staff's first year because there's a new staff um, organizing an event and they're just blown away by how, how many, it, how many doers and like how much, like how well the pe everyone interacted with each other. And it was just like pretty, really, really, really smooth. So I think like, that's what's really cool about the landscaping industry is like, there's a lot mm -hmm. of doers in one spot and that's kind of rare in some other industries. So, but yeah, so how, um, so how did you end up? Um, so obviously you have like a very storied resume. So like, is there any highlights in there that you're like really proud of, or it's just like, what, like out of all that, like, what is something that you, you're really passionate about that kind of drives you on your day to day? Well, probably, I mean, I didn't expect that question. It's a good question. <laughs> I, I think probably what, um, drives me most is our customers. We don't work with any jerks, so to speak. In other words, we only work with good people who really want to get better all the time. And uh, so it's really a lot of fun. It's a sport that I'd almost do for free. That, um, that That's why I like it so much doing this because the people are energized. They, they want to improve. They want to learn. And um, it's very clear. Secondly, probably the other thing is the leaders of each of these companies, usually their presidents or CEOs, they're also very keen to get better. Uh, they like their people, they like their organization, they like their industry. So I think, you know, they turn me on in terms of what I do every day. It's awesome. So Steve, how did you, uh, how did you kind of get involved in this path uh, with, I mean, did you right out of college, start your company or were you bouncing around a little bit until you found this to be sort of your passion? I wish I could tell you I bounced around uh, more, but um, you know, when I was in college, uh, you, you know, I remember when an RA is in college, you know, the resident assistant, I was an RA in college and then uh, it was an off-campus residence all at UC Davis. And then I'm, I moved up to later become a head resident. And then when I was in finished grad school, this company that I work for ran residence halls. They say, hey, how would you like to uh, become a general manager of one of our residence halls and move up to Washington State and run a residence hall up there? And I thought, well, that'd be good. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went up there and ran this residence hall. And during one of the, um, during that year, the first year, we had one of these meetings of all of us general managers. We only had six residence halls at that time. And uh, one of the guys said, God, we don't like working for this big corporation. The big corporation is known today as Marriott Food Services. It was called Saga Corporation at that time. And they said, we don't like working for this. Why don't we split, see if they want to sell the division to us? And lo and behold, I was 23. I was the youngest. The oldest guy was, I think, maybe 40. And we all go to the CEO of this multi-billion dollar company and tell him that we didn't like working for him and maybe he'd want to sell the division to us. And he smiled really largely and he said, you know, boys, your timing's perfect because we decided to spin off your division. So we'd love to sell it to you. And we said, well, we don't have any money. What do we do? He said, well, just get $10,000 between all of you total. And, um, and so we got the money between us. And then all of a sudden an insurance company came along to us and said, we got 35 residence halls. We don't know what to do with. We don't know how to run them. You guys want to run them. And within three years, we had 62 residence halls. We ran all over the United States. And, one of the six of us guys got tired of what he was doing, this one of our guys, and, and he went back to that CEO of the company, um, of that large company, and said, you know, I don't know what, I'm gonna wanna, what I want to do with my life. And so the, that CEO introduced him to a guy who had a consulting company in Southern California in Orange County. And, um, and lo and behold, I joined him six months later. We grew this division that focused on productivity and we had projects in the Middle East and the oil business. We worked with the largest heart valve manufacturing company in the world, et cetera. And um, after five years, I really uh, said, if I'm going to travel this much, I got to do my own thing. So, so I split off and, and did my company. Uh, so that's a long story short, believe it or not. So that's how it happened. But it was all coincidental. I wish I could tell you it was a strategic plan and we, we intended to do everything we did. No, that wasn't. We just worked our butts off and landed in some of the stuff. So. Neil, that sounds familiar. I mean, yeah, it's always, uh, 
you know, a story of I kind of accidentally ended up here, but then I saw an opportunity and I ran with it. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah I think that's, uh, it's the only way to really discover your passion, I think, you know, is to, to try stuff out and evolve it and be always kind of looking for what might, might happen next. Is that what you guys did in your lives that you've happened upon this and said, where I am now is not where I ever plan on being and not where my parents ever wanted me to be or my, my college advisor mentor told me, uh, my junior year, you know, there's something when I think of Neil Glatt that just says, management is totally not the right fit and you'd be so sick of dealing with people and their problems. And, and, uh, I think you'd be much better in sales. And I was like, I fully agree. And, uh, I did that for seven years, but then as I've talked about several times in the past, you know, I don't care what you're doing for your, your job at a certain point, if you do it well enough, you end up with people reporting to you and we all find our way to management if we ever want to get somewhere in life. And, um, then I figured out, well, I need to figure this thing out because it's definitely not working for me. And, uh, now I help other people do the same. So cool. Good for you. Yeah. So, um, so Steve really, uh, wanted to dive into the meat, um, kind of, we we're talking about like long-term planning and, um, just wondering like what kind of your perspective on planning is and, uh, what you see that works because now's kind of the time where we start, especially our Northern counterparts are definitely planning for snow, uh, which is weird. And then we're going into next year as well, you know? So, uh, how does, can you just give us some insight on that and like what your kind of go-to topics are and then we can dive into some of those? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, um, the senior manager's role is really three things that senior manager needs or should be thinking about all the time. And because if he or she doesn't think of these things, nobody else will in the company. One is the culture of the company. And I'm going to define culture as simply the personality of the company. And every company has a different personality. And the, the question I have is, is your personality of your company, is it intentional or not? So one is the culture, because we all know there's been enough books written about it. It says culture can make you or it can kill you. So that's one role of the senior management team. The second role is strategy. The strategy is really saying, what businesses do we want to be in? What businesses do we not want to be in? And where is it we can really differentiate, differentiate ourselves? And you'll end up then asking the question saying, so who is our target customer? Is it the high-end customer? Or is it the customer who's more price sensitive? Is it the commercial customer? Is it the residential customer? And those companies who say, no, it's all of the above, those are the companies get in trouble. More companies die of indigestion and starvation. I find that the companies who do the best focus on where they can be the best and really go after those and grow in that area. So one is culture, second is strategy. And the third thing is a vision. And uh, the great companies that we're around, they have a vision for their success. It's not as coincidental as I made it sound in my career. The, re- the really good t- companies are saying, this is what success looks like either three years from now or five years from now, or even one time this coal mine, we're in a meeting and uh, planning meeting. They want to look first of all at their 50-year vision because the coal reserves, and then they take it back to 10 and five. Today, in today's world, I'm usually seeing companies want, want to look at three to five, and frankly, more often three years from now. So uh, that's, first of all, the consideration that any senior management team ought to be thinking about is what is our culture? Is it what we want it to be? What's our strategy? In other words, what businesses we want to be in and how we differentiated? And then uh, thirdly, what's our vision for success in the future? So that's how I would start it off there, Brett. Yeah. So Steve, you talk about this, this vision, right? And if we rewind 18 months, I don't think that COVID restrictions and and interruptions were in anybody's vision. And then I think if you rewind 12 months, very few people would have bet on the environment being what it is right now, or, or will be in six months. And, you know, who knows, right? So, um, it's, it's so up and down and in the air, how are companies setting a vision for three years or are they just trying to compress in the meantime, um, given the, the volatility of the environment we're all in? Well, l- let me make a little bit of a controversial comment first and then we'll go directly into what you're saying because it's a good one, Neil. 
first of all, I'm finding more and more that companies, especially the mediocre ones, are taking COVID as an excuse. They're, They're lowering their standards. And they're not looking at service qualities closely. And anytime they get in trouble, they blame it on COVID. And I say baloney. So that's first of all. The COVID is real though. I mean, we, we do have some restrictions happen and it has affected each of our companies. Just don't make an excuse. So we want to decide what, and when we come out of here, are we going to be stronger because of COVID? Because there's a lot of people looking at their navels right now. I see that as a wonderful opportunity if your competitors are looking at their navels rather than looking forward. So that's why. And, and then you say, okay, a lot of companies have been weakened out there. And I'm not so sure about the landscape industry, but let's pretend it is. A lot, a lot of companies have been weakened out there. So what could we do to take a competitive edge? So how do you use any kind of downturn as an opportunity rather than a threat is the way I'd respond to your question. Yeah, I don't think that's controversial. I fully agree that, you know. Okay, well, thanks. Well, and- <laughs> some, some people get defensive about that uh, statement because I, I don't have a lot of time for uh, people accepting mediocrity and give me excuses why, why I said that. I, I think you can always find an excuse, right? And the question right. is, this is the situation, right? So are we going to be fantastical in our thinking about what we can do? Or are we going to take responsibility given what we have and make something out of it? Right. This, this one certainly has a lot more um, emotion to it, I think, compared to uh, my father started a business 40 years ago and he'd tell me about the rising interest rates or the fuel shortages in these moments, in which are economical impacts uh, yeah. and, and maybe less on a, on a pandemic level, but it is still was struggles. And, this one is just like that. This will be our sort of uh, one that sticks in our head. Well, well, you didn't have to go through a pandemic is what will tell our future uh, you know, generations. Like you have it way easier than we ever had it. But you're right. I agree that in, challenges come, change is inevitable. Don't embrace any of them as excuses. Just push through. Um, and if you take the uniqueness of this and you sort of just strip it down to a change and a challenge, then right, there's nothing different about it. And even if it disrupts the three-year plan it's a quick uh, it's a quick pivot and around and and it has been a hard thing for people that i think again emotion and fear came into this one a great deal more but it is uh but yeah just drive right through this because it's going to happen again 21 is was i thought going to be a lot easier it's becoming even just challenging i don't expect to be see a lot i don't want to put my head in the sand and think it's going to change and we have to embrace this this straw right so so steve um so like the three points that you lined out, like culture, strategy, and vision, I feel like there's, I mean, the more we do this podcast and the more that we talked about to business leaders who have successful businesses or, or who, um, or even like people who are really good thinkers, there's really that, those are the three common things that everyone says in not so many words. Hmm. So, um, so it feels like there's like really no silver bullet out here, but there's clearly people doing things better and people that are doing things worse. And your exposure, what are what are the, um, I guess, in, in, in this like long-term planning kind of sphere, like what are the actions or like the execution manners that you've seen really work for businesses that take to heart? Because I think that's where the, really that's like where the rubber hits the road, right? It's like how people act on all these, because everyone can say culture, vision, and strategy, but like how you act on, like what are some like habits or like leadership kind of um, dynamics that you think that are really valuable that people could try to mimic or learn from? Well, it's a good question because um, I I think everything we, every meeting we emphasize that execution trumps strategy all day long. So you get say, how good are you really in execution? So when we lay out a planning meeting, usually when we do a planning meeting, usually it's a two day meeting, we're off site someplace. I would recommend that you have some kind of facilitator so that the leader doesn't feel like he needs to run the process and help with the content or weigh in the content. It is too hard. When he's got the pen in his hand, everybody ends up listening versus participating. But when we run these planning meetings, uh, we first of all separate uh, the difference between strategic planning and operational planning. And strategic planning is deciding what do we want to be? which I'll describe to you in a second, operational planning and saying, how are we going to get it done? While strategy is critical, still remember execution, the operational side is what really makes a difference between an okay company and an outstanding company. Um, So 
in that discussion, when we talk about what do we want to be, first of all, on the strategic side, uh, we talk about two things. One, we want to start with culture and what's our culture today and what, we, what do we want it to be in the future? And we lay that out. We say, hey, our culture today, we're fun. We work our butts off, et cetera. You know, what, what do we want for in the future? Well, we want to be much more collaborative within our company. we got too many Lone Rangers or we want to be doing this or that with our culture. So they really describe their culture. And that ends up being a very robust discussion in the good companies we're around. From there, then we move on to, so what is that vision? What, how do we want to describe ourselves in the future? Again, vision is a description of the future. It's not a one-liner. Uh, you know, so many times you see if we went in the, on, on, on the web and looked at all the Fortune 500 companies and look at all their visions and their missions, if I took all those visions and missions and I laid them out on a piece of paper, you couldn't tell me which one was a vision, which one was a mission. Too often they want to make it a one-liner kind of thing. It's not a one-liner. A vision is a description. It might be two pages long. And, and it talks about probably five key elements. You know, one on a vision is what's our reputation? How do we want to be perceived? How do we want to be known in the industry? Sometimes we say, so what is our brand? I was with a large real estate company this past year. And they say, what really is our brand? How, how do we want our customers to describe us? Second thing we talk about is who's our target customer? Who are those customers we really want to go after? What's our kind of customer? And by the way, a lot of times those meetings we talk about who's not our customer. Who do we not want our sales force going after? What jobs do we want to turn down? Third is we talk about, so therefore, what are our offerings? We talk about what are the key things we want to offer most often? And what about our internal processes? What processes have we changed? And because of the IT revolution in the last 20 years, frankly, um, our IT systems become more and more and more important. So a lot of times you hear those processes, but even in terms of process, you talk about what about the handoffs in our companies and how are those going? And then the next thing we talk about in our vision is what about our talent? What kind of talent do we have today? What are those game breaker positions as we call them on our planning meetings? What are those positions that really make a difference? And do we have game breaker individuals in those game breaker positions? And, and then finally, we talk about, so how do we want to describe our results five years from now, now let's call it? You know, what, what will be our revenues? What would be our operating income, perhaps, if that's what your indicator is? What about our employee retention? What about any kind of customer satisfaction ratings, et cetera? So we laid out all those results. And that would take us a good part of a day to go through those items and say, okay, this is how we want to describe it. During that discussion, we'll also, uh, is this what you want me to talk about? Is this, Absolutely, yeah, this keep helpful? it going. This is, this is really good stuff, yeah. Um, also, what we would uh, talk about in that discussion is our growth. And we have a growth model we always use with the companies and say, what are those businesses? Now, let me define business. A business could be an offering, a type of product offering we have. A, a business could be a geography or a business could be a market type. So it could be, which of our, what of our businesses is core? And when we say core, these are the businesses that bring us the greatest profitability. This is what we're most mature in. We're really good at that now. That's one column. Think of this as in three columns. The middle column, we call it our incubator, or uh, we also call it our emerging businesses. There are businesses we're in today. Again, it could be a geography, it could be a market type, or it could be a service offered. Uh, their businesses were in today, but they truly are in the incubator. They're, they're not mature yet for us. We're, you know, we stumble around a little bit. We're, we, there's a long runway for growth on these. The right-hand column we talk about is our pipeline. And these are ideas like maybe we should go into that market or maybe we should go after this different type of market segment. But we're not in it today. It's simply a brainstorm list. There's no commitment because, by the way, if you ever get in trouble, go to your core. Go to the left-hand call. Go to the things we're good at now. Don't be messing around the pipeline if you're having some problems right now. So that's where we talk about in the growth strategy. All that moves into, okay, so what does execution look like? And there's three key elements of the execution. Number one is what are the long-term goals we have? In other words, what are the accomplishments we want to target that are going to take longer than one year? Take, we usually say take longer than the fiscal year. 
those we oftentimes call it initiatives versus goals, but these are initiatives we wanna work on. However, as you'll hear when I talk about the one-year goals, which we call objectives, uh, either one, whether it's a one-year or the long-term, you should never have more than five. And oftentimes, one of our retail customers said, I five, heck, he said, I'm ADD. I can only pay attention to three, so it's only at three. And by the way, they're a $1.4 billion revenue company. So it's not like they're a little company working on stuff. So your long-term initiatives, five max. And we often laugh, no combo jobs. In other words, if you have seven, don't try to put two together and make it one, okay? So five distinct accomplishments that are gonna take you longer in the fiscal year. And then what are your three to five, one year, what we call objectives? And those are very specific measurable achievements that you wanna accomplish within the fiscal year. Um, and again, five max, maybe three is better. For each one of those initiatives, you have an action plan. You say, and we give them a format to go through, but each one of those needs to have an action plan that says, here's what we're going to do. Here's who's going to be the champion for getting that done. And here's the target date by which we have it done. So it's kind of an outline of the plan on how we do stuff. So Steve, um, you know, we, you create the strategic plan and everything. And you mentioned, you know, you have the strategic plan and you have the operational plan. Um, I mean, to me, looking at it, that operational plan is going to be your roadmap as to how you're going to exceed or achieve those goals that you've set as your company. Absolutely I mean, correct. To me, to me, it seems like it would be, I mean, that plan is almost more important than that strategic plan uh, to achieve those goals, obviously. And I feel like probably a lot of companies fail by putting together that that operational plan because they they make that strategic plan and then it kind of becomes a, I think as you said in your in the emails we've exchanged you know it becomes a pretty binder on the shelf that collects dust. It's a good quote. Also, Steve, just give you some perspective on who we're talking. So Luke is like our operations guy here, right? So he 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 does all like the groundwork and he loves that stuff. And and Brett has his own landscape company. It's like more at the strategic high level, right? And then Neil and I are more. Um, I guess, outside the industry now, like from a vendor or from a consultant software perspective. So that's like, we're all, we're all like kind of fitting in. Cause like, we're all like leaning into like what you're saying here. So that's why right. just to help you out there. Well, Luke, Luke described that very well. Uh, you know, sometimes some people think the word strategy and strategic planning is sexier. So they want to talk about all my strategic planning. I, I do think that's a senior management role, but man, once you get out to the people doing the real work and, you know, the frontline supervisors and the managers of various departments or as Southern Botanical calls the managers of their branches, um, once you get to that level, that roadmap, as Luke called it, or that operational plan is really what makes a difference between a pretty binder on the shelf and something that truly works. Um, the other thing I should probably mention is the real key of this whole thing is not only the planning meeting, but the real key is what's our follow-up from the plan. Do, do we have follow-up? Those people who are in charge of each, we usually assign, don't, we don't usually, we always assign a champion for each objective and each initiative. And that person, he or she leads a team that creates that action plan. So there's continuous follow-up even from the senior managers on how's it going on your plan? What are you doing? What do you need help from? What didn't we think about? Should there be something adjusted in here? So there is ongoing work on this. So it's not just a two-day session, man, that was fun. And we got away and did this stuff. And by the way, we had a great dinner that night in between the two days. No, it's really the execution is what makes a difference. Um, so the really good companies, it's a process in their company and it should happen. You should do your regular planning meeting at least once a year. And then you do your follow-up stuff, uh, mid-year, many of our customers do it every quarter with or out with or without a Mulvaney, you know, it's not like you need Steve here to be facilitating this. It's, but you do need a uh, good follow-up. So at least mid-year, uh, some companies do it three times a year. Some, some companies do it, uh, every quarter. I support the the thought of um, good facilitation. I mean, we've tried it many different ways and done it on our own and saw couldn't hang on to it as long or, you know, different perspective, outside thought um, and not getting stuck into the, you know, the RM way of it, uh, which could 
again, not open our, our perspective. And, and to your point, Luke, I agree that where we tend to trip up is not the strategy. It's the, that long, you know, holding on to it and, and seeing it through. And we have a very um, engaged industry. And so you, you find myself out there in the field or talking to customers or moving around. And so then all of a sudden it's like, you know, three months went by, well, how, how we do on keeping that strategy and the right path. And, um, you know, some times of the year we're really all excited about it, and other times we're just like, can we just move? We got, you know, the front line we have to worry about more than anything. So it's, it is a, it, that operational piece, I think, right. That's where the rubber meets the road and, and all the many plans that we've had that have not succeeded is because of just an execution end of it. Yeah. And I think it's such a shame when companies go into those great planning meetings and they develop their core values or their vision and they spend a bunch of money to put it up on the wall of, you know, the frontline shop or something. And that's the extent of it. And nobody even understands how, you know, honesty or, or consistency or, you know, whatever the value is means to their job and means to the company. Right. Yeah. Because it's my second day, it's up on the wall, but I've never heard a story about how this impacts a customer. And by the way, um, you're, making money off of not doing that from my perception. So is this really core? Right. Um, and, and I think Steve, you nailed on your head, right. Let's not remember the fancy dinner and pat ourselves on the back. Let's make this real and revisit it and make sure it's, it's really powering the business at the front line. Cause that's where we make or break. Well, you know, Neil, you mentioned something and then um, I'd like to get back to you, Brett, on what you also mentioned about facilitation, but the core values, I totally agree with you this much. Um, some of the really good companies I'm around, every meeting in their company starts with somebody tell me about a core value and what it means to you. Uh, at Southern Botanical, what they do is they choose a dozen or so of their highest potential people, and I meet with them once a month, and we talk about a topic, and then we talk about the execution of that topic, they have homework assignments, et cetera. But at, um, at one of their assignments that they had to do at Southern Botanicals, I'd like every one of you to go sit down with your teams and just tell your teams what your personal values are. And then tell them where it came from, because it usually came from one of your parents, it came from a teacher, maybe a neighbor, maybe someone in your church, but they share that with them. And then they say, now uh, you associates, you team members, tell me about one of your values and why it's important to you. And it starts to bring home to them why values are so important. At a ski resort we work in, the CEO used to walk around to one of their 4,000 people during the ski season. It's one of the largest ski resorts in North America. And he'd walk around and he said, tell me about our three core. They only had three core values, by the way. He said, five is too many, seven is too many. People have 10, it's just too darn many. But uh, he'd go around and said, tell me about one of our core values. And they have to name the core value or they had the mission statement. We create memories was their mission. And, and if they got it right, he'd pull a $50 bill out of his pocket and he'd hand it to him. And these people would go ape, you know, with it. But it was just a way to continually reinforce what they did. I especially like the company, though. They say, somebody tell me about one of the core values of the company and, and show me how it was manifested in our company. Um, it, it really works well to start off that way, just like they've done in safety, you know, and so many very good companies tell me the safety story. Um, by the way, uh, the same company that does a values one, they also say, somebody tell me about a customer moment. They call it a moment. So somebody tell me a customer moment. What's something we've done for a customer lately is really good. It's, uh, it's very impactful. So then, because I get, Neil, I'm like you, I get a little um, cynical about the values on the wall. <laughs> I, I almost feel like maybe we shouldn't have them up there, but I think you should. Uh, Southern Botanical has them up there and they, it really looks good. They do a nice job of it, but I, they talk about it too. So that's a difference. I'm glad you picked up that cynical is one of my core values. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Personal uh, understanding of Neil. The, uh, this, this story, this conversation hits very real as we go through and we've created the values, but behaviors to support the values and train on those daily but we're watching everybody say well this is hard to train and we're not getting through let's just pause you know we're busy so let's just do something else we're like no hang in there but we're just getting glazed over right where where there's the authenticity is not there and so uh you know if, if the listeners in here my big takeaway or it was just what you said steve was um a reset would be what is your personal values? Because that, that connection, I agree. Like if you're really 
happy about being the company and you want to grow, then you'll be honest and true. And, you know, you know, as managers, we should lead with that storyline, but hopefully everybody gets on board and some people maybe not take it that serious, but, but there'll be a connection and everybody gets to talk. And so I'm going to share that thought with the team uh, this week because it's, those are the moments, right? It's everybody could put on a wall. Everybody could, you know, read it off a, a card that says, here's what the behaviors that we support are values, but yet it, you know, the stories and the constant engagement in it. And sometimes it's, it's really hard work, really hard work. It's just, it doesn't come innately. That's for sure. You know, Brent, another place where the rubber really um, hits the road is we, we have a client who is really focusing on that and, and employee retention, especially how hard it is to retain employees in this environment and stuff. And they are, their turnovers, call it 20% as high as their, all the people in their industry, literally. It's a public company. I can't tell you who it is. But you know what happened last year is uh, they let one of their plant managers go, had been with him 26 years because he said he does not represent our value system. He's, he's belligerent. He's a bully to employees. We found out he just isn't it. And we can't have him work in the company. You know, the CEO got a standing ovation. And I, I knew that plan manager. I thought he was a great guy. I had no idea. No, he was abusive. And he wasn't how they expected people to be treated. Well, that's when people realize, man, these guys are serious about it, aren't they? If they're going to let a guy go like that. And uh, so sometimes you need to look around your company and say, where are we not showing our values? And are we as senior leaders willing to do anything about it? And that's when you really know whether it's working or not. Well, so then you get it all there, right? It's a sustaining piece and three years, because I think everyone's had that pivotal moment or maybe we'll be coming in the three years of their company, but how much does it change from three years to three years? I mean, or does it, is it a consistent messaging or, and piece it, uh, you know, I, I think of ourselves, we have a, our strategic plan set in place and where we want to be in three years. And then, you know, but then there's that constant thought, there's continuous improvement. There's effort. You never always get there, right. but how, uh, in your experiences, how much has changed when you make those three year to three to five year jumps? A change might be too strong of a word, but you're always tweaking your plan. You usually don't change your objectives within the one year, but in the three-year vision, you're always tweaking it. And of course, the big question is, when do we roll it out further? In other words, okay, we had our three-year plan. Do we wait till three years are up? No, you're probably, you'll be a rolling three years and you keep looking at it that way. So you're always making tweaks and it's not as though you weren't successful and where did we screw up on our plan? Not at all. I mean, things change and you need to embrace change. That's one characteristics of winners we have is winners, they embrace and they cause change. So you're always tweaking it and moving along. You're always questioning your plan. Every planning meeting, we look back and say, what do we say we're going to do? Uh, are we going to do it? How do we do? What were some lessons learned, et cetera? So. Well, and, and I, I think an f- interesting question for everybody, and even Luke, you'll have some, but like, who gets invited at strategic levels? Who gets invited at operational? And then Luke, I'd love to hear how Mariani engages you all into that into that space. So yeah, I mean, Frank has over the last few years, just with his, um, you know, the organizations that he's a part of, and and taking a deeper dive into strategic planning within our within our company, he's made it a point that he wants everybody on every level involved in some fashion. Now, I mean, our operation or operating committee, I mean, they do the bulk of the of that planning. And that's most of our senior leaders, the ownership group, obviously, and typically some sort of outside consultant. I mean, we, we always seem to have one in there, because I think it's a it's a great value to add to have somebody like you said, Brett, outside of your organization looking at you. So you're not, you know, as, as we would say, the Mariani way, you know, we get, sometimes you get those blinders on and you don't, you can't see past it. So, um, but then from there, I mean, we usually have some meetings where, uh, you know, mid-level managers come in and for me, I, you know, I'm not sitting in on any of those meetings, but my boss, him and I'll talk and he'll share some ideas and, and what the vision and kind of the, the path that we want to take with this company. And he'll get, he'll get ideas from me and, and some select other people within our, within our organization, within uh, my division of the company. So uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that's a, it's a conscious effort for us to get as many people involved as possible. Luke, you brought up a good point though. It, um, 
think of it as cascading because the initial planning meeting where you're talking about the strategy and the overall plan initially, um, fewer people is better than more people in the meeting. Uh, we all want to be inclusive. We all want to include a lot of people. Once you start to get over 12 people in the room, and I'd say eight is the ideal number, by the way, but once you start to get over 12 people, you just have a bunch of observers there and it, it becomes a bit of a gong show, you know, versus eight people, you're really going to have an intense, candid discussion. And, and then Brent, what you mentioned, the, the positive part of facilitator is he can say some things that people within the meeting can't say as easily. He can kind of manage the owner or the president and he can move you along or he can challenge you if he or she is a very good facilitator. So, uh, and, and that person should not be in the content, the facilitator, they're in the process. How do they keep moving along? What are we covering, et cetera? So that makes it. Now, then Luke, when you go on to what Luke said, you take the overall plan and say, now how do we cascade it throughout the organization. So then you have some meetings about, well, here's an objective. We want you on this team. Can you help with this? Could you do this, et cetera? So how you roll it out is going to be critical. And then finally, the communications plan is a game breaker. What are those key messages? Again, we'll go to five. What are those five key messages you want everybody to hear outside of this meeting? And remember, redundancy is wonderful. If we say the same message every time, even to the point somebody says, God, if you say that one more time, Brent, I swear to God, I'm gonna stick my finger down my throat and barf in front of everybody. Then you know you've almost <laughs> said it enough. You know, redundancy is wonderful when it comes to key messages. Yeah, uh, you've... Go ahead, Neil. Oh, no, I, I fully agree. And a lot of the work that I do with teams is at that much lower level, right? So like one of my clients is our civilian contractors with the US Army. And so the US Army at large, right, their mission is to fight and win the nation's wars. That doesn't inspire this team, right? Everything their directorate talks about is around increasing soldier lethality. So basically the ability for soldiers to kill people. And this team does research on biomechanics and they get to test things before soldiers use them. Everything from boots to heads up displays, you know, you name it. Anything new the army wants to use, this team does studies and surveys it. And they're like, we're not, we're not really helping people kill better, but we are making sure that they don't get hurt themselves, right? Which in a way would, you know, it's hard to, to be lethal if you're, if you're sidelined. And so we've said, okay, we know the boundaries. We know we can cascade from this goal but what's really going to be the mission of our team, right? What do we really care about the 15 of us in a way that's true and inspiring to the work that we do every day that aligns with this, right? And we don't care if anybody beyond our team of 15 ever sees that, but we know it's going to inspire us to make the difference every day for the soldiers that we're working with and supporting. Right. And also I think, um, I think though, like just, I'm just looking at my own experience. It's just like awkward if you're repeating the same thing over and over, because um, especially as a leader or like a new leader, I mean, I think at this point, I'm like, I'm used to repeating myself and I acknowledge that's a normal thing. But like, if you're like new in a leadership position, you're like, I literally said this like yesterday, I said it, I said it in the email two days ago, like I'm repeating myself. Is anybody actually listening? So <laughs> like, how do you get past that awkwardness? Um, I guess it's just time, but like, um, but I think, and Steve, correct me or add color if you, if you think I'm wrong, but, um, as like, especially younger leaders, like it's okay to repeat yourself because that's like the whole point, right? Well, you want to teach them that actually, even you want to let them know, Miles said, that's, that's not only okay to do, that's what you need to do. If you're going to be a good leader, what's, what do the studies show you guys? Some of you probably know the data better than I do a person, a key message needs to be told five to seven times. I think it is before it really starts to resonate. I think it's a number around that that's been studied over and over again. I should know the exact number. So I, but I think you bring up a really good point, Miles, that some people are more uncomfortable saying, well, I told them once, how many times you got to tell them. And uh, so just to educate them that, redundancy is good. That's a strength. It's not a weakness. When you think of any good leader you've ever worked with, that's what they do. They keep sharing the same message over and over again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. From, from a receiver standpoint, it's not awkward, but as like a deliverer, cause like yeah. to your point, like you just kind of like, well, I, I said it and then everyone should take it. So, I mean, I've, I fell into that. I've, I've fallen into that trap so many times and then everyone's like, well, you didn't say anything. I was like, eh. so yeah. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good point. 
Well, it's a process to it too. It, uh, consistency, you know, we, our example, our world of uh, is a consistent huddle every morning. And when yep. you do that every day for three months, uh, it, one, it works, right. If it's done well, but two, um, it's, it's annoyingly repetitive and for the person and the receivers like, well, why are we here? You're going to say the same message again in this piece. And so what one, what one day does it resonate? What one day is it click? You can't predict it. So, but that's why we have consistency and process. And so um, if you want to go through a life of chaos, sure, you know, jump around and hit the, what's hot, right. But you may not hit what's most important throughout uh, those days. And right. we've, we've engaged so many more people this past year, and our strategic planning and we're dealing with like the first year pains of well, I, I got my primary job. I can't give this the time and effort, but, but then you hear the wonderful stories on people reciting some of this, the, the thought and the values or the, the conversation. You're like, finally, this is not just a few key senior leaders spitting this all out, but this is the messages being sent by a great deal more people in the organization. And that was, was always missing for us was this is just a top thought and there's no execution and there's no one else believing in it. Now we have, a larger group of people believe in it, making everyone's realizing how hard it is to get through all this and the work involved. But it is, you know, it's finally not just a message that comes from me or my father or from just a couple other people. So it's like, it, well, it, you know, all of us have been in that. Just, oh, I'm sorry. No, completely. All of us have been in that painful discussion of somebody you really like a lot is going to leave the company, and you go, "Why? Why are you leaving? What?" And, and they say, you know, I, I just don't know where the company's going. I don't know where I stand in. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and you should be able to answer, you know what? If you leave, I just got to tell you as a friend, you're crazy. But, you know, this company has so many good things to be doing. And they go, like what? And you, if you're able to describe your vision to them and they say, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize this is fantastic. That's what the value of vision is. People want to work for companies with a future. And if they start to get nervous about whether that company has a future or not, or if that future is going to include them, then they might say, you know what, maybe this other guy who keeps having breakfast with me, wants me to hire him. Maybe I, should, maybe I need to consider it. And uh, during this pandemic, people are going through a lot of mental considerations during these days. So you want to show them, no, heavens no, we, we're coming out as bigger winners in this thing than we were coming into it. That's the kind of message you want people to be hearing. So, so important, that communication that you just mentioned. So, Cool. Well, this is all really good stuff. Um, it was, I don't know if anyone has any other closing thoughts, but I feel like I got to go back through this and like, well, yeah, that's notes, a, the uh, nice thing. I have like four pages of notes happening. Here. Yeah, it's the how-to manual of sorts today, right? Uh, yeah. I, I think a few, a lot of just not the theoretical thought of, you should strategic do strategic planning, but like, and Steve, I appreciate the lists and the, and the, and the strategy behind it. And the good thing about the podcast, you could push pause and re-listen and come back and say, Oh yeah, that thought. And, um, and, and we all need this and, and, uh, and you need these kind of moments to say, well, this is going to be my first time doing strategic planning. And so these are really good pieces or we've made it right. So we're all in a different life cycle of it. But I think the big message here was, Miles, your point, like this is critical, important, and necessary to, to keep keep thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big process person, and I, I like strategic planning gets me going. I just like and like and and really the executional processes. And I think that the point where like that makes me happiest, and like every company or every team that I've been on is like when we take a strategic strategic plan, then but then we build systems and processes that are yeah. kind of self executing, right? Um, obviously there's people that need to do stuff, but like the more that you can make that process really efficient, communication lines are really clear, like potentially automated using technology. Um, that's really where it's sweet because it's like, okay, we're doing this and it's easy or easier. And then you can, that leaves more time to think about, okay, where are we going to, what are we going to do with all this? And like, where are we going to actually go? And that's, that's what gets me jazzed because then that creates momentum, right? Cause that's, I think that's all we're trying to do here with strategic planning is create momentum within our teams. And once that momentum gets going, that's really, really powerful for both business owners and for teams, right? Like you're, you're doing stuff and everyone wants to keep on doing stuff. So um, I think if you haven't done this process, it's important to get that momentum going. But then if you do have the momentum going, it's really important to make sure, um, I guess, 
uh, I'm using tech terms, but like velocity, right? So like we just talked about velocity, this continual rolling three years is really important for velocity, I think in my mind, to make sure that you're maintaining that speed. Um, well, the, the part you're sharing out. so accurately is some companies think of planning as an event, you know, when we could do our next planning meeting other, the really good companies think about it as a process as you've described. This is an ongoing process we have in our company. This is what we do. It's part of our budgeting process, what we do budgets every year. It's part of how we recruit. It's, our, it's one of our processes that makes our company great. But I think, I mean, I think that right now within our industry itself, I think this is the perfect time to really sink your teeth into this and get that strategic plan developed. I mean, most of us are kind of coming down on our busy season. Uh, I mean, this year is a little bit of a, of a different. Say, say one, what? Are yeah, you but, sure about that, buddy? Yeah, I mean, uh, trust me, we're still busy. But <laughs> I mean, you know, that the, those 90 days of hell, as we call them in the industry are, you know, we're past that now, but this is a perfect time to sink in, sink your teeth and develop that strategic plan, create that roadmap. So you hit the ground running. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you don't want to be trying to do this in January or February. You're trying to launch a season at that point. So great time, you know, late summer into fall, get started, develop it, and then, you know, continue to uh, have it evolve uh, throughout the year. You know, and also uh, something that um, that has stood out to me with another friend in the industry is that they really focus on like a, the rolling um, 12 month or the trailing 12 month budget. So they don't even, they don't believe in the one year plan, like stop and start, stop and start. They just like every month is just because a year is kind of arbitrary, right? A business always is running until it's not running. So I, I think that's kind of wise and something to think about at least like you know, I, I know that's really easy for us to say like, uh, oh, the winter time or the summertime when we're slow, but sometimes, you know, if you can dedicate a couple hours of your day to this, uh, um, a month or every other week or something like that, just take that time. Um, that might be also beneficial too, instead of trying to hype this up into this one big moment and then do that. But there's, there's a combination that works for different companies right in there. So just kind of spitting out ideas. It's well worth thinking about though. That's a good point, especially in such a seasonal business as you guys are in. So mm -hmm. it's a good idea. If we can do a podcast every week for a couple hours, you all as listeners can spend a little bit of time uh, working your company. It's just that easy. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, well, and, and it always is that the moment. Is, <laughs> right. Right. I mean, this, the, the podcast always is, of course, there's a million things we could be doing at this moment, but we've dedicated ourselves to doing this when it's right in the timing and we all have some ebbs yeah. and flows, but it's been a consistent thing. This probably is going to go down to like one of the more habits and routines in my life when I'm really impressed, right? That, like that I'm doing, I'm not doing a lot of things this consistent. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then tomorrow I have to be on a three hour call, uh, for, our, for our budget and our finance, but it's, and I like, man, I could be at three different jobs right now. And I really wish I could, but I'm staying disciplined to that call about the, because we haven't been spending a lot of time there. So it's like, just try. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think, um, Steve, I don't know if there's anything else on your heart, on your mind that you wanted to share, but we're going to roll into our next segment um, after you do that, or if you don't, um, but we have a Rose and Thorn segment where we share what's going on well in our lives, professionally, personally, right. what's not going so well, but yeah, feel free to share anything before we roll into that. Well, I'm flattered you had me, you guys. Thank you very much. It was fun. It was fun for me to do. Um, when we when we're working with companies all the time, we always say, you know, the winners in the industry, they they have a vision, they cause change. The winners, they go with their winners. The losers rescue you. They're losers, by the way. Um, the winners focus on their customers. The the losers sell price. And finally, the uh, losers, I mean, the winners, they they constantly improve. They're constantly changing, and the losers accept okay is good enough. So. Um, keep that thing going all the time. I think you have something, but thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. No, the pleasure is ours for sure. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Cool. All right. So who wants to kick us off on Rose and Thorn? Steve, you're not out of the question on this one, by the way. So we're, we'll, we won't let you go first, but you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll roll this off. I'll roll all right, off. go. Um, so R and R was a huge Rose, uh, renewal remembrance. Uh, awesome. Awesome time. Like I said, at the beginning, um, really was encouraging to see people come out. I'm excited for next year once things are like a little bit more norm or a lot normal, more normal, hopefully, but who knows. But uh, uh, 
Yeah, I really encourage people who haven't done that to come out and do it. Um, we have a lot of projects that are rolling in next year between Arlington and the National Park Service, like right on the mall. Um, really, um, really fun projects being able to get out, um, hanging out with like and working with other people from across the, uh, the industry. So that was a really positive thing. And, um, and just a generic, just a general point was like volunteering is really energy energizing. Like when you're, um, when you're in the right spot and you actually enjoy it. So it's, it's been, it's really awesome. Um, Thorn, uh, again, it's like the zoom call thing, man. It's just like back to back to back zoom calls. So I feel like I'm just talking my life away this week, but <laughs> that's all good um but yeah that's that's all i got nothing really to complain about i'll offer up um th- uh, rose i've said this one before and it happened again today it was just a well-timed p- podcast to be able to come out of the field or the working in operations is running 100 miles an hour and just taking a moment to say you know what there's a couple things and, and, I, and I got a couple pieces that i think are really time well to help us with um with our culture training and so i appreciate you all for helping me stay focused um and then we're hustling filling every single part of the summer up as a family just anytime you got a free moment let's go do something fun and exciting and uh and so trying to keep that as a priority and 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 not have the summer right because everyone's like oh school's gonna start summer's over like Heck no, man. Let's figure out how to like still have fun. September's an awesome month. Let's let's just keep the party going. But kids, you're going to school. Like, and I can't <laughs> wait for you to go to school. Um, so, and, and and man, I hope they're going to school. So, and then no thorn, uh, just busy, and that that has it brings stress. Uh, but but I think we all have the right kind of head uh, headspace for it. So uh, for me, uh, got some time off coming tomorrow uh, and early next week, which I'm really looking forward to, to just get out and enjoy. Uh, the weather's going to be great. Going to do some golfing, do some boating, uh, spend some time with some friends and family I haven't seen for a little while. So that's that's really cool uh, coming up. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I started getting back in working with uh, – uh, my trainer that I've been with for a little while now, uh, throughout the summer, throughout the craziness of, you know, uh, the, the summer, 90 days of hell, uh, between, you know, some personal issues that, uh, arose, I kind of let that stuff go and, and it's starting to pay off. I feel like, you know, my, it's, it's paying off in the other areas of my life. I've noticed just like improvements and it's, it's nice when that, when that, when that connection starts to happen, um, and uh, not a basketball fan, but the Bucks won the uh, <laughs> the championship, so it's cool. You know, I'm, I live in Wisconsin. I, I don't really care for the NBA, but I think it's always cool when uh, your local team, you know, is able to bring something home like that. So, uh, and you know, seeing my my younger nephews, they're huge huge basketball fans, who huge Bucks fans. So seeing them and watching them get to experience, you know, their one of their favorite teams uh, win is is always enjoyable so uh kind of like you guys really know no thorns right now oh well um i had a offer accepted on a new construction house last week so um it's a whole bundle of thorns and i'm hoping a rose comes out of it soon but we're meeting <laughs> with the background's gonna change my, uh not for a while and i am going to take my bookshelf with me so i think it'll say the same but um yeah hopefully uh come january or february um we'll have this thing built and moving in so hopeful that uh you know the final negotiations and specs go well and you know nobody pulls anything stupid in the next six months with subcontracting or materials or anything but um yeah, it's exciting for sure. Wait, who's doing the landscaping now? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, uh, that is to be determined. So okay. Well, well we're opening it up on the podcast. Uh, Neil is in the Northeast. We'll pay for your travel expenses. Just send some designs. <laughs> Neil's open for it. He'll send you the. He'll send you the specs. Aspiring landscape designers, hit me up. It's a great project <laughs> to add. And by the way, I'm, I'm so Look, excited. looking for an intern. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what I'm most excited about is purchasing a robot lawnmower. So if any, uh, if, if any, uh, entrepreneurial dealers want to, uh, send out the unit, I will keep the podcast updated with how that goes next spring. I don't know. We know some people 
a certain company. We do. Maybe. Make, make Maybe. The call, Miles. Yeah, I know. And it's like, you may be able to leverage that. I mean, we're not sponsored any, for anything yeah. on this podcast. You know what I mean? Steel takes care of us. We take care of them. <laughs> How about you, Steve? Well, Rose for me is this morning, I, I have two daughters and we're all up here in Park City, Utah. So with one of my daughters, we went for a four mile hike with the dog this morning up in the mountains. So that was that was really fun. And coincidentally, we were sharing our values with each other. It was kind of a fun conversation we had. And she started it actually talking about where that's important to us. Uh, you know, there really is no thorn because I feel that we're all so lucky these days. You know, we all walked into wherever we walked and, uh, you know, we're, we're really blessed. So um, I don't know if it's worth spending a lot of time thinking about the thorns versus how lucky we are. Sometimes, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Brett. No, this, I agree. Thank you. This is uh, this is a benefit, the right kind of conversation today for me, and I think a lot of listeners are going to really enjoy this. Yeah, this is probably this is one of the um, this is a really great podcast, like for like actionable things. Like I literally have like five, four, five pages of notes. So like, um, definitely, definitely take time and review this again if you're listening. Yeah, um, I'm glad it was helpful. Absolutely, Steve. Yeah. No, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate you um, coming on. Um, and also a big thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with your coworkers, friends, family, anyone who wants to listen to our beautiful voices and our awesome guests. Take care, everybody. Hope you have a good one. Have a good one. All right. All right. Later.